you, my friend, are listening to the Happy Hearthstone. This episode is brought to you, as always, by listeners just like you. Thank you so much, Typical Tyrant, Chris M., Nicholas D., Nick Patrick, Jordan L., Algaron, Zeroshio, Clay HS, Matthew D., and Beef Squatch for investing in yourselves and investing in this show. You can join them and get some great perks for yourself over at patreon.com slash thehappyhearthstone. And be sure to join our Discord where we're sharing deck lists, talking about the game. Just go over to thehappyhearthstone.com slash Discord and click on the link there to join. Hello and welcome to episode 178 of the Happy Hearthstone, the longest running Hearthstone podcast in the history of space and time and cards. I'm your host, Andrew Brown, and it is so good to be back with you all. I hope that you weren't too thrown by a week off. Uh, I really desperately needed it in context of what the past month has held. Um, To no small part, the six hours worth of card reviews that we released, those are always a labor of love, but definitely a labor as well. And then the week following that, uh, my family hosted our extended family for uh, the funeral of uh, my wife's uncle, who some of you may remember, uh, it happened at a pretty pivotal time as we were uh, days away from our son being born. Uh, That's when the news came that he had passed, and uh, we ended up naming our son after him or in his honor. So uh, he had a a really big impact on my wife's life and even mine. Uh, We went and visited them last last summer, and one of those guys that isn't just a a good dude, but someone who really is intentional and uh, cares about people in a very palpable way, uh, regardless of his time with them. So Anyway, that's a long explanation, uh, and then this this episode is coming out to you a day late uh, because I forgot my adapter when I went to record it, so I had to wait until the next day to go and do that. So I apologize about that, um, but really appreciate your understanding for uh, taking a week off there, and so thankful to be with you because there is way too much to talk about right now in terms of Hearthstone. Uh, this week, we'll be catching up on everything that's been happening since Old Doom released, and I'm going to give you four decks to keep an eye on now that the nerfs have released. So if you're really not sure where to start and and, uh, what to create in these uh, volatile moments, then uh, then this is the episode for you. And I, th- I think I've got some uh, some stuff that'll be pretty fun to talk through. So should be a really great time. But before we get into that, I want to and need to tell you why I'm happy today. Um, and there's a lot for me to be excited about right now. We, uh, my wife and I are actually taking some time off and we are going to spend a week with her family in Orlando. So really excited for that. We will probably be on the beach way too much and that's okay. (laughs) Uh, I will be, one one of the things I hate most about being outside is wearing sunscreen. Just uh, need to get that out there. I hate sunscreen for everything that it's worth. So um, I'm glad we're not going in the dog days of summer down to Orlando, but uh, it'll still be pretty hot and we'll be spending some time at the beach for sure. So uh, that'll be a lot of fun. I'm especially excited because we are going to spend a day at the Magic Kingdom at Disney World. That'll be a ton of fun. And just to expose my daughter to uh, the beauty of that place is going to be a lot of fun. 
And we we never really had anticipated taking her while she was still so young, because it's going to be hard for her to really latch on to memories from this trip. But while we're down there, we both agreed we, we have to take her for, for a day, you know. So uh, we'll have fun with that. And it, some of you might remember my wife and I took a trip to Orlando earlier this year because I was going for a work conference. And we spent a day at the Magic Kingdom there. So now we get to use everything that we learned to do a better job. And actually, because my wife was pregnant at the time, we weren't able to do any of the coasters, which is my wife's favorite part. Um, so there'll be a lot of fun had there. And the Peter Pan ride was down for maintenance, and that's one of her favorites also. Not so much a coaster, but still, she loves that. <laughs> so uh, so there will still be a lot of fun stuff for us to do as well. Uh, so really looking forward to that. And speaking of events, there's actually one other event coming up that I'm planning ahead for, and that is BlizzCon. So I haven't let you all know this, but um, because I've kind of been doing some behind the work stuff, but I am finally uh, excited to, I, I guess, just confirm I will be there again this year. So I, I really did not expect to be able to do it again. I approached it last year from the vantage of this may be the only time I actually get to do this and that's okay. Uh, so I really did not expect to be able to do it the year after. Um, I'm still approaching this very much the same way, that this could very easily be the last time I get to go. Uh, but I'm ecstatic to be there again. I had so much fun last year uh, meeting a bunch of the community and podca other podcasters and stuff. So I, uh, I cannot wait to be a part of that again. And I've just got this feeling that this has got to be a big year. They kind of alternate years that are, you know, huge mega announcements. And this past BlizzCon was pretty tame, all things considered. So I am hopeful that we're going to see some really big stuff. And uh, I'm, I'm thrilled to actually be there for it. So really looking forward to that. We're several months away. But if you're planning on being there, please reach out and let me know because I'd love to uh, meet up with you, uh, have some fun, play whatever games are there. Because, uh, I don't know, I got a, I got a feeling we got some new stuff coming. Uh, it's not just going to be another new, uh, new hero for Overwatch or anything like that. Although I really enjoyed Ash last year. That was probably my favorite part of the new content uh, that I got to play. So, uh, so yeah, so lots of really exciting stuff for why I'm happy today. And uh, honestly, like I was getting uh, marketing messages that Starbucks and um, Einstein's and all those places are finally coming out with pumpkin stuff. And honestly, that feels like fall to me. So even though we're not quite there weather-wise, I am ecstatic that it's going to be a little bit cooler outside. Uh, yeah, there's just lots of good reasons there to be happy. By the way, super happy that we've got some nerfs. How about that? You saw that coming, I saw that coming, and most of these, I would say, were expected. Um, th this is where we start talking about Hearthstone, by the way. <laughs> There's always a section to talk about personal stuff, but this is uh, the, uh, the market transition into the Hearthstone news. Uh, obviously, these nerfs have been around for a long time, so I don't want to get in-depth about the changes themselves because they are absolutely alive. Um, but we've got Luna's, uh, Luna's Pocket Galaxy back to seven mana, Extra Arms back to three mana, uh, Conjurer's Calling is up to four, um, Dr. Boom Mad Genius is up to nine, and then Barnes, the boogeyman, has finally been up to five. So, um, so these are pretty, um, pretty in-line changes with what we've seen from the team previously. 
Uh, and I'll be honest, I think I've said, I haven't you know, been beating this drum too hard, but I really believed that if Conjurer's Calling just had Twin Spell removed, it would be perfectly fine. And I, I think I think fair. Uh, I, I knew that they weren't going to do that, especially with it being one of the few Twin Spell cards. Uh, they're going to retain that. What I didn't expect with that and didn't think through all the way is how big of a change it really is at four mana. Because there were some times when you were playing uh, Highlander Mage or or just straight up Conjurer's Build of Mage, and later in the game you would be able to Mountain Giant and double Conjurer's It and whatever uh, whatever spawned from it. So now you cannot do that with a four mana Conjurer's Calling. You can only play it once per turn for sure. So it delays the earliest that it can happen. Um, and I don't know that it makes a big difference, unfortunately, uh, because of that. But, uh, you know, but but it does. But removing that late game insanity of just playing the card and getting three huge minions is uh, is very, very good. So... The team's decision to really keep the changes solely to the mana cost, I think is a really good foundation for most of these decisions to be based on because the um, the more the more basic that the change can be made, the more understanding players are going to be of how that changes things. And mana cost is probably the most accessible way of doing that, right? Um, there are... I think that there were some really cool opportunities, though, with these cards to change them in more nuanced and complex ways that made more sense for the game. So personal opinion rant, I, I really think that there was a missed opportunity, honestly, with a lot of these. I don't think they're bad changes by any stretch, but when I look at um, when I look at a card like Luna's Pocket Galaxy, the, uh, the fact that uh, bringing it down to mana had it see so much more play means that it changed the meta significantly to do that, which I think most of us would say in most cases is a good thing. And so I, with a card like Luna's Pocket Galaxy, I would have loved to see a change that was uh, maybe to how much was discounted of each minion in your deck, or maybe change it to the minions in your hand. Uh, I think that I think it still would have affected, for sure, uh, the popularity of the deck. But going back to 7 mana puts us in a world uh, back when it was released where it really saw no play at all. And so that's kind of a that's kind of a bummer to me. I would like to keep the variation while balancing things a little bit more effectively. Uh, Extra Arms, I actually saw somebody suggest that just the first half of Extra Arms was three mana and the more arms that you get from it was two mana. I thought that's a really interesting change. It splits the difference uh, from what happened. The big thing is that that's very unintuitive. So players need a heads up that that's that that's happened and it would be difficult to communicate that so um i i think people would probably play it and think it was a mistake even if it wasn't you know or a bug or something like that so and and barnes is another one especially where delaying this one turn is a big deal kind of but if you still coin out barnes on turn four uh, we're in the same world that we were before as far as Big Priest is concerned. And granted, Big Priest is not nearly as oppressive as it once was. Um, but I I think my... And, and the community has come up with a billion ways that you could change Barnes. But I think my favorite way that I've seen was that Barnes would actually spawn an actor token. And that actor was a 1-1 with whatever effects from a random minion in your deck. 
Now, again, this is kind of complicated to explain, and especially for a card that's been around as long as Barnes has been, it would be um, it, it would be tough. So I get those dynamics, but I feel like doing that would still preserve the flavor of Barnes. In fact, it takes it a step further, honestly, because Barnes is a theater producer, I believe. I know he's in the theater, <laughs> at least. Um, and it would take away what's so oppressive about Barnes as a card, which is the ability to resurrect whatever came back. If it just resurrected that actor as a 1-1 token, or even as the 1-1 token with the effects, that would not be uh, nearly as uh, as bad as, as basically what has been uh, created from the decks that spawn him. So... I so yeah so these nerfs really hit me from a couple different angles. I'm glad that they're taking action quickly uh, with with some of these. Uh, there's one in particular that's been a problem for a while, but I'm going to save that discussion for later in the in the episode. Um, and I, and I think that with every one of these cards, uh, Contra's calling probably the least, I guess. Uh, there was there was a real opportunity to do something different and. Albeit more complicated and more difficult, but I think better for the game overall and more interesting for the core players also. Uh, so anyway, these cha- these changes are live as you're hearing this. So if you haven't jumped into a game quite yet, uh, you can know that, uh, that that is waiting for you. Uh, you can usually get the full dust uh, for, I believe it's two weeks. Yeah, I can't find it in the official announcement, but I think it's about two weeks. And I want to encourage you, like I usually do, to go ahead and dust the cards that you own of the, of these that were nerfed, um, because there's no downside to doing that. Uh, if you if you dust them now, at any point you can recraft them if you'd like. Uh, I did that recently for um, the what what was it called? Um, oh goodness, I can't raiding party for Rogue because that was nerfed to four mana. Uh, I wanted to play a deck that had a couple of those, so I made them again. Um, but there's no downside to doing that. The only possible downside is if you don't disenchant them and they don't see any play ever again. So uh, with all of these, I'd encourage you log in, uh, disenchant them, and then at any point, if you'd like to uh, make them again, uh, you're good to go. And I actually crafted Golden Barns on day one of Karazhan, I'm pretty sure. So, or at least very, uh, very soon then. So I won't ever be able to pull Barns from a pack, but um, I'm okay with disenchanting that, getting the dust back. And then if I want to craft, I probably wouldn't go golden again. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, and I, I do have all these cards. I think I have a Golden Conjurer's Calling, actually. Nice. I like that. So... Uh, so go ahead and do that. Uh, don't delay. The other uh, the other slight news was that they actually had some hot fixes for Zephyrus. So they're continuing to improve how he offers you uh, different uh, different things. And there was a whole interview that the Angry Chicken actually did with Celestalon, who's one of the um, I, I believe he's one of the game design uh, or initial game design people, and he's kind of been the uh, the herald for Zephyrus and. Uh, it was a really great uh, conversation, just hearing more about the uh, behind-the-scenes things that he does, 
And so uh, Zephyrus, that is not Celestalon necessarily, <laughs> and how he operates. Because learning how he operates is really important for being able to make an ideal play with him. He's a lot more complicated and complex than uh, I initially thought, uh, because how much mana you have for your turn matters, how much mana you'll have next turn matters, and the board state at the time that you play him matters. So um, so I'd really encourage you to go check that out. And in these hotfixes, uh, they were able to improve his offering of weapon removal. Uh, there were several cards that weren't really being offered before that now can. Stuff like Holy Fire, Avenging Wrath, Spellbreaker. So you can think with each of those. There are certain instances where it would be really important to get a card that can do exactly those things. So um, pretty cool. And a lot of other smaller things that aren't uh, aren't quite as important there. So... Um, yeah, so that's really all of the news that we've had. Uh, it's, it's funky that we haven't heard anything about Tombs of Terror yet. And obviously, uh, in Tombs of Terror is the single player associated with, uh, with Saviors of Old Doom. In fact, I wanted to go back and look at this. Rise of Shadows was released April 9th, and then the Dalaran Heist was released, let's see when this was. Uh, May 16th, so a month and a, so five weeks basically was the gap there. And with Saviors of Old Doom releasing August 6th, we're coming up on a month here pretty quickly. Uh, and we, we haven't heard anything. We actually knew about a lot of the single player um, strategy behind Rise of Shadows when the Year of the Dragon was, uh, was announced earlier in the year. Um, that's when they said there was going to be uh, some extra stuff coming out uh, as far as like um, what you'd get in the single player content. They announced that you were going to have to purchase that, which was good to give us a heads up for that. And really the only things we know for Tombs of Terror so far is that is a little bit about like the storyline behind it. Uh, and that there's a card back that you'll get for pre-purchasing it. So I can't imagine it's going to be too long before they tell us what that is, because if five weeks is about right, uh, that's going to come up really fast. And having pre-purchase time is good for just about any business. So, uh, so I would assume we're going to hear more details, maybe even before the next episode of this show, so we can tell you more about that. Um, but I'm especially interested with Zale Shadow Cloak being part of the last um, group uh, or a single player and part of what you would get for purchasing all the wings. If they're going to have something similar for this content, especially because Zale Shadow Cloak wasn't updated and will not be updated until the next standard rotation, from what I understand. So uh, will they come out with a Zale Shadow Cloak or Whizbang for each set, essentially? I think it would make sense because it's such a... Um, it's an opportunity for them essentially to create those and to create engagement and purchasing the products. So uh, sorry, sorry, free-to-play players. I know you don't like that, but um, but from a business perspective, it really makes sense, especially, I, th I think I said this was Zale, to be able to tell a player you can purchase this and you get access to five different um, sets of cards or decks, essentially. It's, it's basically purchasing decks in a much more... Uh, in a different way that makes more sense for the game, I think. So if, if they had a Zale Shadow Cloak that like gave you each of the League of Explorers uh, a different deck for their classes, I think it would make a lot of sense. Probably Highlander lists for each of them, and 
that would probably be fun. So I w- I'm anticipating that uh, with no insider information or anything. But I'm also hopeful that we'll see some new stuff. I know it. I've seen some rumblings that the structure of the single player is going to be similar to how Dollar on Heist um, was, and that makes sense. I think that's a good call because don't uh, don't fix what's not broken in that aspect. But I would like some different things to kind of get me more engaged with uh, with a new a new set and all that kind of stuff. So anyway, the other news thing actually that I forgot to mention was the Explorer bundle that is out right now. So in the U.S., it's twenty dollars, and what you get is five packs from every uh, every set that's uh, standard relevant. So Witchwood, Boomsday Project, Rastakhan's Rumble, Rise of Shadows. So 20 packs, and you get one random Uldoom Legendary. So this is a pretty cool promotion, I think. Um, I I feel like I've read opinions on both sides of that, but um, I love that even though they're putting uh, past sets at a discount, and so there's that piece of me that's like, well, I don't want old cards, I want new cards. To give me a guaranteed random legendary from the set I really do want is pretty cool. Um, so I, I think this is a really, I, sorry, my, I'm a marketer in my full-time day job, so I can't escape thinking like a marketer. From a marketing perspective, it's, it's fantastic. I think it's a really smart idea. So yeah, I did jump on this, and uh, I got Vecina as my random legendary, which is cool because she's uh, she's pretty applicable for shaman uh, for some aggro builds and stuff. So I liked that, and yeah, I think that's about all that we've seen um, so far. So I I should mention here also that I was um, lucky, or I. Well, it's, it's a bit of luck. It's a bit of skill, but I did hit legend this month. So really excited to uh, mention that. If you're not following me on Twitter or uh, not part of our Discord community, uh, then you may not know that yet. Uh, and you should be. You should follow me on Twitter at Andrew's Living and join our Discord at thehappyhearthstone.com slash Discord. It's like free, man. It's like all free. So come hang out with us. And uh, I hit it with an aggro rogue build that I actually found from uh, my buddy Tiago Taparelli, who's on Twitter. He's also my boss for uh, HS Replay stuff. And he he shot up with this uh, aggro rogue build that uses a hooked scimitar, which is the three mana 2-2 rogue weapon that has combo plus two attack. And what I didn't realize, I think we talked about it in the uh, review episode because I had gotten to play it by then, uh, was that you coin that out on turn two and you can play both Dread Corsairs from your hand. So turn two, a 4-2 weapon and two 3-3s with taunt. It's pretty dang good. And so uh, that build, that was pre-nerf that I was able to hit that. So um, I was dodging Control Warriors and was able to make that. Um, but yeah, it's a pretty cool list. And Tiago had two copies of Raiding Party in there, which was good with the South Sea Deckhands, Dread Corsairs, and Captain Greenskin was in there also. So, uh, and he was running preps. And so being able to prep out Raiding Party is still really good. Uh, there were plenty of turns where that's all I was able to do, or coining out Raiding Party even sometimes uh, was perfectly fine. So yeah, it's, it's pretty cool. And if you go to my Twitter, you can find the list that I use to get there, and I hope it treats you well. If you like aggressive decks, then this uh, this aggro rogue is uh, very, very strong. So uh, really, uh, really thankful for that. 
And that's all for the news today. Instead of a sponsor break, I want to talk to you about something really exciting that I haven't announced anywhere yet. So if you're listening to this, this is the uh, this is the first time that this is going to be out there. Um, I'll put it on social media starting in September. Um, but I am undertaking a project during the month of September that I'm super, super excited about. And it is going to be uh, a book. What? What answer? What'd you say? That's right. I am. Uh, I, I've written some articles on our on our blog at thehappyharson.com. And actually, I had my own personal blog that I've talked before on the show. I unfortunately had to retire that recently, uh, just because I don't have enough margin to really um, to do it as much as I'd like to. But I've realized lately um, that uh, I really have wanted to write a book. And so I started thinking about what would I do with um, my Hearthstone-related knowledge, like the techniques that I've used to get to Legend myself, um, things that could help newer players to build up their collections and uh, get the, reach their next ranks on the ladder and stuff like that. So, uh, yeah, this is a really exciting thing. It's something I've wanted to do for a long time. And I'm really, honestly, by telling you this, I'm kind of drawing my line in the sand that I'm doing this. So, um so that's my goal. I wanted you to know about it because I'm going to be running some really exciting and exclusive uh, exclusive things through the Patreon this next month in order to help support that. So you can uh, potentially get copies of the books. You'll, you can get a special thanks written in the book. So that's a permanent thing uh, that's going to be really exciting. So if you're a part of the Patreon already, stay tuned. And if you're not yet, and you've been looking for some excuse to get in, uh, trust me, this is, this is the excuse. So, um, so there's your little exclusive sneak peek. If you want to check out the Patreon, you can at patreon.com slash the happy hearthstone. Uh, and I'm really excited to start this new project and ultimately for it to be a, uh, a community thing. I mean, that's what this show has been since the very beginning. And so I want you to be a part of this project and um, uh, just like I'm sure you want to. So more details incoming and that'll be in September when I launch uh, the, the Patreon stuff around it. I'm hoping that I'll be able to release the book fully in October, um, but who knows? Those things always take longer than you'd like them to. And I'm actually going to be off for a vacation uh, for in Orlando in September. My wife reminded me about that as I was sharing my, uh, these goals and ideas with her. She was like, hey, just take that into account. I was like, shoot, an entire week. Dang it. <laughs> but I'll figure it out. Uh, honestly, it's worth it to me. And I feel like uh, I feel like enough of the conversations we've had here that I've had in the inner fire and that I've had with uh, coaching that I've done with many of you through the Patreon, I have all really some, summed up to be like, at this point where I feel like all of that content's there. I just need to sit down and actually create it. So really excited about that. Uh, it's something I've never done, always wanted to do. It's been a dream and I'm, uh, I'm excited to see it through. So hold me to it. It's going to happen and it's going to be great. All right. So let's talk about some decks now that it is post-nerf time. I know that if you're anything like me, when we enter into a post-nerf season, there's always this level of, okay, I know what not to play, but I don't really know what to play, right? Unless there's a nerf that really is just completely irrelevant, which I don't think any of these nerfs are completely irrelevant. They're going to affect play to some level, especially with like Extra Arms and Luna's Pocket Galaxy. We've seen those cards at the cost that they are now. I guess we know in a more real sense the, uh, the power of the effects themselves. 
and what that can be if there's some way to cheat them out in any way. But we don't really know uh, with the other cards how that's going to affect stuff other than it's probably not quite as good, right? I don't know about you. I, 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 I've played quite a bit, actually, at the Legend ranks since, um, since the nerfs hit. And I have not seen a single mage so far. So I think that people are feeling the weight of Luna's Pocket Galaxy and Conjurer's Calling. I mean, that's the class that was hit the most, obviously. And that they're really um, not sure what to do with that. And it makes a lot of sense. So, uh, so I've got four decks now that I want to submit to you as good places to start. And hopefully uh, with some cards that you've got. Um, actually, these are all quite a bit pricey as I look over them. Um, sorry. I, I hope it at least gives you some good some good stuff though. Actually, the second one especially, you could do a budget uh, budget spin on it, and I'll I'll talk about that. So the first one I want to talk about is Quest Druid. This is the archetype that on day one of Saviors of Old Doom seemed to be the unstoppable beast, and very quickly it just sort of faded from everyone's peripherals. And I think it feels like that happens to some uh, to some deck day one of every expansion. I think it was uh, uh, Taunt War or Quest Warrior when uh, when Journey to Angora released. It was like really popular day one, and then it just kind of faded. Uh, and so as these other classes are getting hit pretty hard, Quest Druid I feel like is a um, it, it got a shot in the arm by getting nothing taken away, essentially. This quest is still one of the easiest to resolve. Um, unless you are facing off against something that is hyper-aggressive, you don't mind doing nothing for your first four turns. Or potentially five turns, depending on if you got the coin, I guess. Uh, and and you can do enough by playing, uh, I think it's the Crystal Merchant, the two mana one four, that if you don't use all your mana, uh, you get to draw a card. That allows you to get more uh, quickly that can fill out the rest of the game, essentially. And Oasis Surger still is like one of the um, one of the craziest cards, I think. Uh, the five mana three three that uh, copies itself and gets rush after the quest has been completed. Also, Hidden Oasis uh, is the heal for twelve and summon a six six. That card is insane. And with my aggro rogue, actually, I ran into at least one quest druid who had both of those, and I just could not get through all of it. So I think if you're coming up against a lot of really aggressive stuff, well, e even when that is kind of the tough matchup for that deck, you've still got a couple cards in there that can help you out. I know people are calling it Trino Jackson, which I love <laughs> because it heals you for so much, and it's a tree, obviously. So, uh, so yeah, that's pretty good. And there are a couple different ways people are going with Quest Druid from what I've seen so far. So you've got like this classic um, flood the board, and you can use stuff like the Oasis Surgers, uh, Mark of the Loa, and uh, Power of the Wild, even Scenarius, to create some endgame scenarios that are just really difficult uh, for your opponent to deal with. And then there's another Quest Druid line that I, I want to say it's Orange was the purveyor of, just because I know how much Orange loves Mally Druid. And this list isn't Highlander uh, completely, but it does run at least the Enlightened, and it uses a lot of the Quest Druid shell to create a very strong mid-game, but then you you basically have this backup win condition of Elise the Enlightened and Maligos, uh, Faceless Manipulators, where you can just burst down your opponent for whatever is remaining. 
And I got I got knocked around by a couple of those in the legend ranks pretty strongly. So I uh, I'm eager to try this out. I do have untapped potential. So uh, not just saying like in my life, but I <laughs> have the card. And so I'm I'm pretty eager to try out some more quest druid because it's probably one of the archetypes I've spent the least amount of time with. And I think especially this Elise build is just really, um, really interesting. We really, we saw some of it before the nerfs. I remember Steve and I were talking in the review episodes about the potential of something like that. And I think now there's more room for that potentially to happen, especially with Control Warrior uh, taking a little bit of a hit from the uh, Dr. Boom nerf there. So Quest Druid is definitely something that I think you should check out. And by the way, I'm going to have links to... Uh, suggested deck lists over at the show notes at the happyhearthstone.com. So if you go to the website, you can click on the main square there. It should have the latest episode and you'll find show notes in there. I'll have a link to a standard quest druid and uh, more of this Mali hybrid quest druid as well. The next archetype I want to put on your radar is Lackey Zoo. This was something I was really excited about right out the gates for Savers of Old Doom. And it's, it had faded quite a bit. And I think that's because of Control Warrior being so strong and Mage being able to create a wall of Grave Horrors very quickly. Now that both of those have taken more of a back seat, uh, Zoo is as powerful as it's ever been. And I think that the Lackeys especially are able to just create a package that... Uh, that creates a very difficult uh, position for your opponent. What's really surprised me is that Sinister Deal, uh, the one mana spell that lets you discover a lackey is absolutely playable in this. Um, Basically every lackey class has two generators of lackeys now. Um, So for Warlock, it's Sinister Deal and Evil, oh gosh, I I get these wrong all the time, Evil Genius. Uh, the two mana two two destroy friendly minion add two random lackeys to your hand, and then uh, every every class of course has evil cable rat. But you basically just go all in on whatever your three cards are for warlock. You do it for shaman with the quest uh, battle cry shaman. Um, warrior doesn't really have a heavy lackey build necessarily, and then the last class is rogue. Oh yeah. Yeah, evil miscreant come on you've been playing that forever so uh, um so yeah i'm really i'm kind of surprised to see sinister deal in there but it's a uh it's still just perfectly fine and the big card in here is dark pharaoh takan so this is a card i, I honestly i have to sidestep for for a minute and one thing that i've learned during this uh review series especially is to stick to my guns because this is a card that I, it's still got to prove itself, but this is a card I was very big on at first. And I felt like I, I really was uh, too flexible in my opinions for it and ended up uh, kind of um, conceding to what, um, to what Wicked Good had to say. And I, I think it's part of the fun of listening to those reviews when we have opposing opinions. And so um, I regret not bringing in as strongly for the sake of entertainment, but also I really do think that this card is kind of proving itself to be stronger than, uh, than maybe we gave it credit for. And so I, I don't feel like I deserve a, hey, I knew it, uh, because I didn't say it or stick to it. I only deserve that if I really stood my ground on the card. And Takan is one of actually several, I feel like, in this set. I just did not, um, I didn't bring my perspective fully. So I'm sorry to you, the listener, about that, but um, I'm not going to keep you from that now because I've played a- against enough lackey warlocks 
uh, now where I f- to con if you get him early is so crazy, especially if you've got a lot of lackeys. And I faced up against one where they played Takan, they had two lackeys the next turn, they had three lackeys the next turn, and I was staring down a board. I had nothing, I, I just could not uh, resolve it. So um, so I, I wouldn't say go and craft it now, but if you do have him, uh, he can uh, he can really do some work, and I think it's worth uh, it's worth playing, especially because with Magic Carpet you get uh, you get rushed with them, and they become five fours, pretty crazy. So um, so yeah, I think Zoo and and I, I mentioned that there's a budget way that you could do this. I think it's really fun playing it with Dark Pharaoh Takan, but you don't absolutely don't have to play it with that. I would say that the Magic Carpets are worth crafting um, because they are going to be pretty critical to Zoo as long as we have lackeys around, which should be all of this year and next year. And when I when I say should, I mean that technically speaking, based off of what we know, it should. I actually was thinking today, I, I don't know that I would mind if lackeys were rotated to the Hall of Fame, kind of like um, Baku and Gen were, because I, I, they're just so good. I think that there's, I think there's a place for them to go. Anyway, I'm not going to go down to that rabbit hole too long. Uh, I, I do think the magic carpets are definitely going to be worth, uh, worth crafting for sure. So you can go back and do that if you haven't and spend your dust on that if you really want to get strong at Zoo. If you're not a big Zoo player, then don't worry about it. But the magic carpets are, are definitely worth it if you are. So I will put a lackey zoo um, a zoo list in the in the show notes, and I'll see if I can find a budget list also um, that maybe runs. Uh, I can't guarantee it won't run magic carpet because that card is just so strong for Zoo. But um, I'll see if I can find something um, something for that as well. And then another list that I wanted to talk about is one that you probably know about, and that's Highlander Hunter. But here's the thing. We were looking at these nerfs before they were, uh, in, during that in-between time where it was announced, but it wasn't released yet. And we looked at it and we said, huh, Hunter is already pretty strong and it's not getting hit at all. Seems like Highlander Hunter is going to be really set to just um, like dominate the field, essentially. And I don't know that that's come to full fruition yet, but certainly it's it's still what I think, that uh, the Highlander Hunter was strong beforehand and it's going to continue to be strong. What's really interesting, I've, I was finding uh, some off-meta um, off meta lists. I didn't mention this before, but I actually got to stream for a night also. So if you missed that, I'm sorry, but you should be following me on Twitch at Andrew's Living. I got to do that for a night and had a blast with everyone who came out. And it was a fun decks only night. So I was just finding anything that was weird and playing it. And I saw somebody had hit High Legend with a Highlander Hunter Maligos list. And it was really cool. So the only minions that were in it were Zephyrus, Maligos, um, Faceless Manipulator, Bran, the Dino Tamer, and Geppetto Joybuzz. So the idea is that uh, you actually run Master's Call in the list, which normally will just give you three beasts because you've only built beasts into your list, but you want it in this list so that you can pull out Geppetto Joybuzz. And you will discover him and the other two minions will remain in your deck. That's how that works. Uh, You may not have done that before, but it's part of that. So um, so getting Geppetto Joy Buzz out of there, then you're able to get some of the others. And hopefully you've drawn Zephyrus. Uh, I have gotten one mana Zephyrus, and that's it's fine. It's basically the same thing. But if you can get the Faceless Manipulator or Malagos, 
uh, down to one mana, that's really good. And if you can get both of them down to one mana, that's insane. And a one mana Bran is not that bad either because it's just straight eight damage as long as they don't have taunts, right? So um, I have been having a lot of fun with that list. Um, I played it a lot at, right after the nerfs hit and didn't do that well. And let me look up the um, the matches that I played actually because uh, I, I was actually kind of surprised. I, I, w- I think I went two and one with it or something on that streaming night. And so I was thinking, man, maybe there's some potential with this. Uh, yeah, so I went four and seven with it the other day, um, immediately after. And I lost to, um, to Zoo. I lost to a combo priest that had the nuts. They don't even need extra arms, apparently. <laughs> and... Uh, there was a, a druid. I can't remember what this rogue is that I lost to. Oh yeah, it was like a test list that just drew the nuts. It was insane. Um, and I think a battle cry shaman that like had their quest done on turn four or something like that. So, um, so yeah, it's it is a slower deck because you want to get some combo pieces in play. So if anything's too aggressive, which quest druid can be more aggressive than you want it to be. And, uh, and like combo priest is fast. Uh, that roguelist ended up being, I think they killed me on turn eight with Tess, um, pulling a, what's the two mana warrior spell that gives you heroic strike. Yeah. So they'd gotten that earlier and then they played it again with Tess plus an extra deadly poison. Anyway, (laughs) it was disgusting. Uh, so those fast lists will definitely beat you. If you're seeing a lot of fast stuff, then you definitely don't want to try and climbing. Uh, with it this is this is probably more of a fun deck if you're not looking to climb uh, then I would suggest this deck if you're if you're still trying to make it to your uh, your next uh, floor ranked floor then I don't think I could give you this one completely and say go for it but it does have potential and it's a fun different combo style deck that uh, you know Maligos lists never quite die um, but they do take on a lot of different forms, and I think this is probably one of the more unique builds that I've seen in a while. So, um, so yeah, I'll, I will definitely put that list in the um, uh, in the show notes at thehappyhearthstone.com for you to check out as well. And you know, I those are three of the lists. I'm going to sh- save one for my card of the week. I also actually reached out on Twitter and wanted to ask and find out what you all were excited to play uh, after the. Um, after the nerfs hit. And some of the answers I got, Guy Grumpy actually said Zulaki also, so I was excited to see that uh, he agreed with me on that one. Uh, Hand-Eating Llama said Murloc Agro Priest, which I need to see that list because I have no clue what you're going for, but I love it. (laughs) I think that there was actually, during the Rise of Shadows meta, somebody did like a Zoo Carpet Priest uh, that was really interesting, and because Northshire Cleric dodged those nerfs, maybe maybe that's still a thing. I don't know. And then uh, my buddy Venga Dragon said some big paladin. I mean, ultra big, like ten ten reborn divine shield big uh, type stuff, real big. <laughs> so um, that's awesome. And I haven't played big paladin this expansion actually, and I think uh, it's Colossus of the Moon, right? Is that is that card? Uh, that was one that I remember saying. Maybe there was a place for that. So I might, have, I might have to try that out too, especially for the funsies. I don't know that it's going to be the most effective deck out there, but uh, hopefully that gives you some stuff to mess around with, whether your goals are having fun or ranking up. I think that uh, I think that the zoo and the quest druid especially are going to help you rank up if that's your goal, and Highlander Hunter might be something fun for you to do. So go check it out for sure. 
Okay, so let's talk a card of the week because there's something that really missed the conversation with this uh, nerf that I wanted to talk about uh, with its own introduction, especially because I had a song that was just perfect for it, okay? Hello there, the angel from my nightmare, the shadow in the background of the lab, the unsuspecting tinkerer. Of mechs that do way too much You've got way too much time That abyss of a void I'm not sure I'm going back there Even though your power's unreliable It's way too stylable And gets you out of a pinch It feels like it never rents Don't waste your mechs on me You're already dust in my collection I don't miss boom, I don't miss boom Don't waste your mechs on me You're already dust in my collection Don't miss boom, don't miss boom <laughs> Dr. Boom, Mad Genius. Not the Blastmaster, this is the Mad Genius, who uh, probably does not need an introduction at all. But he is now a 9-mana hero card that gives your hero 7 mana and reads Battle Cry for the rest of the game, your mechs have Rush. And his hero power changes every turn between five different hero powers. I know that you know this because you've been playing this game with any frequency. So you've seen these, um, and we've got Blast Shield for gain seven, ar seven armor, Discover a Mech, uh, that's Delivery Drone. Kaboom deals one damage to all enemies. Micro Squad summons three 1-1 one -one Microbots that all have Rush, by the way, because of playing the card and zap cannon which deals three damage so the only rule around the hero power is that you will not have the same hero power that you had the previous turn uh, and, and it's uh it is unreliable but all of these are very effective kaboom is probably potentially the weakest there are some situations where you really want it um, I, I think that most of the time, if I just swapped between Blast Shield and Delivery Drone, I would be perfectly happy because it's the games where I cannot find Delivery Drone to save my life that I'm really uh, not happy about that. But let's talk about this nerf. So changing 7 mana to 9 mana, what does that change? Well, one of the biggest things is that now it is practically impossible to play Dr. Boom and be able to hero power immediately. Right. So when you play Dr. Boom on turn uh, nine or further on in the game, you would be able to use whatever hero power he gave you immediately. Now, unless you're really saving the coin hard, which spoiler alert, you if you're saving the coin to play Dr. Boom, you're playing him on turn eight, not on turn 10 in order to use the hero power. Um, you're not going to be able to use that, which means that you're investing your entire turn into playing him which I will say that I like that uh, very much because the hero powers are very uh, potentially powerful. And so taking away that, um, that huge swing turn and forcing you to invest your whole turn into developing him is, I think, very good. Uh, the seven mana you get isn't uh, insignificant, but it's just putting up a defense, essentially. If your opponent has built up a huge board, seven armor isn't going to save you, and they might still be able to kill you, potentially. So I do like that. Um, what I don't like is that this doesn't, I, in my opinion, this does not resolve the problems and huge frustrations people have had with this card over a long period of time now which is that you get infinite value potentially from him. 
Delivery Drone is incredibly powerful. Uh, not only being able to discover a, a card, a minion type, from a very specific set of minions, um, but also because of the battle cry, these minions in particular definitely have rush, which means that you can uh, you can affect the board state immediately based off of what you get, even if you have an empty hand. Like it is not deck dependent. It's dependent on you having played the card and randomly getting that hero power at some point. It's kind of it's it's insane, honestly. And especially when the class specific mechs uh, like Omega Devastator, uh, Beryllium Nullifier. And, um, well, I, I guess it's more so Omega Devastator and Dynomatic, actually, sorry, uh, that have an effect that allows you to delete something from your opponent's board, and then the rush on top of that allows you to go a step further. And Omega Devastator, me, Omega Devastator in particular gets you just an insane amount of value if you're able to find it off of the Discover effect, which more often than not is uh, is true because you're going to get it served to you more than um, than vanilla minions uh, or neutral mechs, I guess. Uh, Beryllium Nullifier is another good example of a really good one. Security Rover can be really good because not only does it have rush, but the taunt that you get from that has rush as well. Um, not to mention the neutral legendaries, Snip Snap and Zilliacs that you can get off of this. I mean, Snip Snap, when all of them have rush, can be absolutely devastating on its own. And so it creates these one card uh, insane turns that just um, aren't a lot of fun to play against. And in my opinion, breach what I think is fair for a control deck to have. Control becomes too powerful when they have uh, relative infinite answers for their opponent. Um, I, I, I still think that I, I don't think that it creates a fun game state. And that's my opinion. You can disagree, but that's just where I'm at with that. Uh, seven armor is obviously really strong. And then the other ones I feel like are pretty good. Um, but the battle cry is honestly the big thing. I mean, I, I know I just went off on a, on a long tangent about that with delivery drone, but I feel like that's the part of this card that makes it so frustrating to play against is that all the mechs in their deck, all the mechs they get off Delivery Drone, that they get off Omega um, Omega Assembly. Yeah, that's the one mana spell that gives you three if it's past uh, turn 10. Um, it, it's just an insane amount of upside. And so I've heard people suggest things like maybe the battle cry could be um, all mechs in your deck and hand get rush. I think it would be even fair to say just your deck get rush or just your hand get rush. Even, even just your hand, it creates this, it would create these interesting situations where you actually want to play Omega Assembly before you play Dr. Boom. And for a control deck, it's tough to find those right turns where because you don't want to use resources um, uh, flippantly. Um, and so doing that ahead of time would get the rush, but it would also mean that you have to use more, more cards at the same time. So uh, I think that more than any other card in this uh, realm of nerfs, this one was the big opportunity to do something different that, uh, again, creates toughness, difficulty, excuse me, <laughs> in, in marketing and communicating and all those kinds of things, but I think would have been worth it to create a better game state for players and a card that is more fair overall. 
Um, because, yeah, seven mana probably was too soon. I mean, this card just went into any warrior deck practically, other than the really hyper-aggressive warriors that are out there now. Um, but bomb warriors, control warriors, they definitely want to play this. Now this is really going to fit primarily in control warriors, uh, because they're, they don't mind spending a whole turn uh, investing into the future, whereas Bomb Warriors want to be at least a little more on the aggressive side. So, yeah, I think there was a big opportunity. And this is coming from the guy who crafted a golden uh, Dr. Boom Mad Genius here. So um, I, I'm honestly kind of on the fence about disenchanting it because I think that this card is going to still see plenty of play. And so, um, I mean, I could disenchant it, but then the very next day I would enchant it again, you know, and create it. So <laughs> I'm not sure exactly what I'm going to do, but, uh, but Dr. Boom, you, you got your spot in card of the week because I thought of a clever song where I thought, uh, it was appropriate. And I really, I don't know, I'm fired up about this one. Cause I think it, I think it was a missed opportunity and that's okay. Uh, there, there's always time to make good on that. And I think that this is a better reality for sure than seven mana, Dr. Boom, mad genius world. So I'm uh, still thankful for that part, even though there's still some meat on the bone, <laughs> as it were. Well, hey, as we wrap up this show, I want to remind you, as always, that you are the happy hearthstone. This podcast is all about you. So I really am thankful that you would come and even listen to it because that's how the relationship begins, right? I don't know if you found this on a random uh, search that you did on iTunes or whatever podcast app you're listening to this to. If you heard about it from a friend, if you found me on social media, whatever the case may be, I'm thankful that you'd come and hang out with us here and want to encourage you to keep coming back. Uh, there will be uh, more great stuff coming out this next month. In fact, I have something special that I'm going to try. Uh, I need to reach out and kind of um, start uh, twisting or I guess pushing the levers and the buttons <laughs> behind the scenes to make it happen. Um, but I've got some cool stuff in the works and more community members who are going to come and be on the show in the coming weeks as well. And if you'd like to join them, if you'd like to come and be with me on an episode, please let me know. I'd love to have you. That's why this show exists. And you can do so by, um, by sending me an email, thehappyhearthstone at gmail.com. Or you can find me on Twitter at Andrews Living, and you can uh, mention me, send me a direct message, whatever you like, or come join our Discord, thehappyhearthstone.com slash Discord. And you can, uh, you can find me on there, message me directly, and all of that. And our Patreon is always going to be the best way to support the show. So if you really enjoy this show, you want to see it grow, and you want to invest in yourself, I've been coming out with some good uh, deck guides and stuff for our community there. And uh, access to that exclusive content begins at just $5 a month. So you can come and join that or join the inner circle where we're talking about uh, and encouraging each other in our latter pursuits. And I've got a deep dive actually that'll be coming out this, uh, this upcoming week. I still need to schedule it. I'm a little behind on that, but uh, it'll be a great conversation and I would love to, for you to come and join me for that. And I have to send a huge thank you as always to the producers of the show, Menach J. Miller. Brian O and Mr. Blurry, thank you for so much for supporting the show at the level that you do. Um, truly, I feel your love and support every time. And Jay, I'm so sorry for saying KJ all this time when the K was silent. And I didn't know. And I should mention that Jay actually had me on his podcast called Productivity in Tech. And so you should go check that out. We got to talk about um, some of the behind the scenes with this show. And uh, just my perspective, why I create the show and how that relates for uh, for people who are in the tech space, that's kind of his audience for that show. And we had a really great discussion. I really enjoyed the time. So go check it out. 
Um, I'll be sure to link it on thehappyharston.com. And I also have to send a big thank you to uh, the guys over at WellMet. I actually got to, so I did take a week off, but I got to do all this extra stuff on the side, uh, which was really fun. So um, JR and Danny Donuts had me over on WellMet podcast. If you haven't checked them out, they've been around for a long time. And uh, Ray C, who's uh, a professional player, who's uh, one of the hosts on that show, he had to step away for a week. And so they invited me to come uh, hang out with them. And it was a lot of fun. We got to talk about uh, Savers of Old Doom uh, meta just a couple days, I think, after it had uh, released. So that was a ton of fun. And a uh, huge thank you to them. I'll be sure to link to that episode as well in the show notes if you want to check it out. Or you, or once you're done, because this episode is wrapping up, you can just search for Well Met in your podcast app and uh, go find it there. All right, I've told you where you can find me, how you can get in touch with me. I mean, I think that's pretty much it. So I really appreciate you coming and hanging out. Again, thanks for your patience. Um, you know, this has been, this past month was a really significant one uh, work-wise uh, and family-wise and personal-wise. And this month, honestly, looks like a lot of the same. So I'd be, I wouldn't be honest with you if I didn't say that I feel overwhelmed from time to time. Um, But it really is worth it to me uh, to be able to have these conversations, to be able to hopefully encourage you a little bit in your pursuit of your Hearthstone goals and connect you with other people who really love to do that. Uh, The Discord is a great place to do that or on Twitter as well. So I appreciate you reaching out and being a part of the community. And uh, yeah, sincerely, it means the world to me. And I love being able to do this and get to hang out with you on your commute or wherever you might find yourself today. So uh, thank you so much for visiting the Happy Hearthstone and having a little fun with us. I'll see you next time.